and welcome to the Company Watch On The Spot podcast. I'm Joe Ketner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode on Tuesday, the 14th of June, and it's very nice to be back um, with thanks to my colleague Adam Stones for holding the fort so brilliantly with Nick um, last week. Today's um, topic is really the GDP numbers for April, which were published yesterday. Um, And we're going to look a little bit to um, what that might mean for the MPC, the Monetary Policy Committee decision from the Bank of England, which we're expecting this week on Thursday, um, and also looking at employment numbers, which were published this morning. So, Nick, it's not really a very pretty (laughs) picture, is it, for GDP? It was absolutely fascinating when this stuff came out and watching the the news bulletins um, on on Monday because there were all these commentators, these, these economics experts, desperately trying to find something positive to say. And failing because this is just grim 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 stuff you know as a reminder we were expecting weren't we we were expecting a little bit well in q2 which is the the kind of last mpc mpc forecast we were expecting a teeny tiny rise of 0.1 percent so we were hoping to still be in positive territory but you know it looks i know we're we're looking at monthly figures which there's always a caveat around you know how these are calculated and so on but you know it's, it's significant enough the fall isn't it to make us think Q2 is not going to look very good at all. Well, well I don't see how it possibly can. And, and um, uh, at the risk of, of, of seeming um, seeming to have crystal balls about uh, about this, we did say in the last uh, but one podcast that we thought it was difficult to, well, I couldn't see where growth would come from in Q2 oh. with what's going on in Ukraine and et cetera. But... Um, uh, it, it's interesting that you know expectation was a small change of 0.1 percent, and it fell by 0.3 percent. And I think I'm right in saying we've now had—I'm um, not sure we've had a monthly increase this year. I'm not sure we have. I'm not sure. But I mean, it's it's all very marginal. The the big thing, though, is that you know, in a mixed economy, I know our economy is services dominated, is 80% of the economy, but nonetheless, it's a mixed economy. This is the first time since January 2021 in the full teeth of of of, of a complete lockdown that all three parts of the economy fell simultaneously. So there so, we're talking about services. Manufacturing and construction. Yeah, so services fell by 0.3%, um, although um, ONS is is keen to point out that's mainly to do with uh, quite a big hit from the winding down of the test and trace system. But as you keep saying, Joe, it's all very well measuring outputs, and it's wonderful when uh, test and trace was being cranked up and the vaccination um, system was was being was at full bore. But of course, you get a downside when these things stop. Yeah. So services fell by 0.3 percent. Production, which includes um, uh, manufacturing, fell by 0.6 percent. Um, within that, manufacturing was one percent fall. And their ONS says businesses attribute that to the impact of price increases and supply chain shortages. And then construction fell by 0.4%. Um, and again, ONS's best guess about that is that um, March was particularly busy because of all the storm damage repair 
That's after right. The, That's after storms. February storms. Mm. Uh, but I mean, there's always, you know, every month there's a reason. You know, there's a there's an oil production platform down in the North Sea or something. You know, it always there's always major factors. But the but the it's looking the, at the trend, isn't it? It's basically you know you can you can explain away the kind of differences, but if you're looking at a trend and thinking, well, actually, month after month, yeah. it's this direction. Um, the, the only only minor bright side is if you take the consumer facing services out of the service sector and look at it separately that return to growth just in the in the in the in in the month but it's but even consumer facing services are still 4.4 percent below pre-pandemic levels so we ain't back there yet and we're not going in the right direction anytime Mm -hmm. soon with what's happening with inflation and this is it. So this is, we're talking stagflation. Then we've got the two star, the stagnation. Yes. And frankly, you know, the contraction really is what is what we're seeing is that side, and inflation. I mean, that doesn't show any signs of abating, does it? No. Well, we'll see what that comes out like. I think that's next week. I think so. Yeah. Next week. So we'll be talking about that next week. And you know, as you as you flagged, this raises this GDP set of numbers for April. Now I know it's only a month, and we always caution. And the Bank of England was cautioning that a month is just a month and a quarter is a much better view. But this poses a real challenge for the MPC because until these numbers came out, I think the general consensus was that the um, Bank of England might well go gangbusters and raise the rate by 0.5%. Stop faffing around with small um, adjustments and and really sort of make, make it clear that they were serious about controlling inflation to the extent that it's within their control. Now, what I'm hearing is, well, more likely a quarter, and some economists saying, well, there's no there's no basis for raising uh, interest rates at all, because, frankly, when did central banks ever raise rates into slowing economies? I mean, it's, it's a pretty unusual thing, and yeah. they don't know what the impact is. Now, this is all very well, and and my guess is that we're going to get one of the court. We're going to get a, a raise to raise of twenty five points on Thursday from the MPC. Now, the Fed in the states is talking about a 075 percent rise, which is huge, really. In the absolutely huge. <laughs> now, enormous. So, if I'm the MPC and I think that's what the Fed's going to do. I need to be looking over my shoulder and saying, if we don't raise, or we only raise by a quarter, what will that do to the dollar sterling exchange rate? And if it is uh, a negative, a serious negative hit on the exchange rate, just think about all the costs in the inflation numbers that are denominated in dollars. You know, um, fuel fuel prices, oil. Oil, yeah. um, most commodities, to the extent that you can get them, that they're not locked up in Ukraine at the moment, most of it is in dollars. So the worse the exchange rate gets, the more serious, the more expensive things the more become. In- and so it'll be really interesting to see not just what the MPC does, but what it says about why it has done what it does what it does on Thursday. So, I mean, you, you, I mean and, and these are the things, so I think there is, isn't there, a point to which that a lot of the inflationary pressures are 
you know, caused by things outside the Bank of England's direct control. We know that there are lots of, you know, global factors going into this. But I think you're right. I think there is, they have got to consider the the, the position that other major economies take in yes. terms of how they are acting, because that, you know, that is in the back, you know, understanding how this will have the knock-on effect, as you said, to, to the exchange rates and therefore mm. prices. And, you know, that that is going to kind of, bring inflation here potentially um up again if if we've got these these big input input prices um but you know we, we with the npc you know they surprise knows? us don't they who knows who we should knows? be um we should be clicking refresh at 12 o'clock on thursday to, to get the minutes and <laughs> um, and see what they see what they've said so let's look now at employment and we know again employment is one of those big things that the npc are always looking at you know the, the dreaded yeah. um wage wage price spiral um issue and here again it's it's broadly it, looks like wonderful news you know so, you've so, got yeah you've got the unemployment rate dropping um by 0.2 percent um on the quarter that's the quarter to april to, to 3.8 percent so we're well down below mm. pre-pandemic uh, levels um within that there are some really sort of i guess all the factors that go into creating an overheated labor market and therefore the wage cost um price um spiral that um clearly keeps um uh Andy Andy Bailey. Bailey. Mm. awake at night so in real terms adjusted for inflation in that quarter regular pay excluding bonuses fell by 2.2% if you put the bonuses in Basically, um, your your average um, pay growth is six point eight percent, and it's beginning to get to the point where it's it's mirroring inflation. Of course, the question you ask yourself is how many people actually get those bonuses. I suspect those numbers are heavily skewed by the finance industry. Yeah, yeah, heavily skewed by the you know finance industry. And of course, what I don't have to hand and apologies is the split between private sector and public sector. But it will but, look broadly similar to what we've seen before, which is before, basically public sector, teeny tiny, one to one percent, maybe two percent, and you know, so they are not getting four point two percent regular pay rise or six point eight percent if you include bonuses because they don't generally mm. get bonuses. If you dig underneath a little bit more, it's interesting. The number of hours worked is rising, but it is still below pre-pandemic. Um, of course, we have got um, job vacancies still rising. It's sort of plateauing at 1.3 uh, million, but um, it's risen by 20,000 20, in the in the last um, quarter. But that, that vacancy rate is half a million above where we were pre, pre-pandemic. And, and in broad terms, we have as many people looking for work as there are job vacancies. But what is you know again a tightening let's ignore emigration post brexit or in the in anticipation of uh, brexit but just look there are 800,000 fewer self-employed <laughs> people in the workforce um, half a million more on payrolls but 800,000 fewer self-employed and since the pandemic there's been a 450,000 rise in the economic, uh, economically inactive, that's those who are not in work and not looking for work. And that 450k leads you into another little problem, 
and it's quite a big problem and it's a growing problem, which is that out of the 450K that are not looking for work, 200K say it is because they have got long-term sickness issues. And we're assuming that means long COVID? Long COVID. And and interestingly, there's uh, ONS published also simultaneously with all all of this, the data on long COVID. And the long COVID um, statistics are really quite interesting and also scary. According to the ONS, 3% of the population have long COVID. Two million people. I am one of them, but still functioning as uh, as our listeners can hear. Um, So you've got 2 million uh, with long COVID, 200 thousand of them not working presumably because of that or or other other long-term um issues Uh, but you know my bottom line on all of this is when you look at these numbers if pay is rising averagely by 6.8 percent including bonuses or even 4.2 percent without the bonuses sooner or later that will feed through into another twist in the inflationary spiral yeah, because that's got to go somewhere, hasn't it? It's, it's got, got to go, to go somewhere. somewhere. And, mm. and there's nothing about the profitability of many sectors of the economy that suggests to me that uh, that, that, that can all be swallowed. So mm. it's eventually will find its way through in, in, into the prices of the things we buy, which is another worry. Indeed. And we know we know we're heading for another spike, aren't we? Um, when the energy cap is reviewed again in October time, isn't it? Um, so it's really, you know, we might get a short respite from some of the inflationary um, pressures in the meantime. I don't, I don't really see there's going to be any big, um, big differences really between now and the end of the year when the inflation is. I mean, that again, interesting to see at the NPC because they were expecting ten percent um, peak, weren't they, towards the kind of Q mm. end of Q three beginning of q4 yeah. time um you know you've got to you've got to wonder if actually there's some more um that yeah. that might be raised again so that's again something to, to look look out for and of course that will all feed through into uh what must be a permanent challenge to consumer facing businesses Absolutely. it's yeah. it's got to be and and Travis, what what irritates the life out of me with so much of the economic comment and the justification coming out of the government and the Bank of England and saying, don't worry, inflation is going to fall back. Well, whether it does or it doesn't, the answer is it's not going to go into reverse. We're not going to get deflation. And therefore, to the extent that regular pay for most people is still way below the rise in prices, you are baking in mm. an, an in a, a permanent reduction in disposable income, mm. and the fact that you know maybe in two, in two thousand twenty three um, inflation will come down to three and a half or four percent, and twenty twenty five it might be back to the target rate of two percent. That um, hit to people's disposable income and household incomes is permanent. Mm. That doesn't just suddenly because you can be sure that. Um, businesses, as soon as the inflationary pressure drops, will seek to tighten um, pay negotiation uh, and seek Absolutely. to control pay. Uh, you know, as mm. as they uh, and, and actually, it's right that they should they should do because they have absolutely they, they have to be. Yeah. So that's that's worry. It's not a. It really isn't a pretty picture at at, at, um, at the moment. And you've got the. Um, OECD talking about um, the UK economy being the worst performing, apart from Russia, yeah. um, 
in uh, in the G in the G20 next next year. So, um, you know, optimism optimism is in short supply. I just hope that maybe there can be a route to lessening some of the impact on this. But I'm yeah. not seeing it. At the it's moment. hard to it's hard to see that at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, well, thank Nick. Thank you so much as always for your um, really useful commentary through all the um, the headline stacks. We will be back. Um, again very soon and I think probably no spoiler to say that we'll be looking at the MPC um, decision and um, looking at some of the, the potential fallout from that so Nick as always thanks so much to all our listeners goodbye <laughs> <laughs>